that you would clear the mind of a distracted preacher. Father, a preacher with a thousand things on his mind to now focus solely in on your word and speaking your word. But Father, would you be on the receiver as well? Father, would you be on those that are, are listening, watching, viewing, whatever, whatever the context, Father, would you be on those hearing these words with a thousand things going on, with a thousand distractions, with kids running around in diapers, Father, asking for cereal and sippy cups? Would you be in and now through all of this to help us focus in on what needs to be focused in on? Father, the message you prepared today is no accident. And so, Father, would you, as Jordan encouraged us last week, would you break through the noise that is here and now, and would you speak, and would we listen? In your powerful name, amen. Amen. We, uh, we started the uh, book of Philippians uh, because we knew that people uh, throughout this season uh, in, our, in, the, in the calendar year struggle with anxiety, struggle with worry. And we thought, you know what, Philippians is a great book to, to teach through that. And little did we know when we planned this out about a year ago that coronavirus would hit the nation. And so we, we started this book about two weeks ago. And uh, we looked at this guy named Paul, who's an apostle. He used to be a good dude, but really a bad dude. He thought he was a good dude, but he was a really bad dude. He met Jesus and became a really good dude by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. He met the resurrected Jesus Christ in his own little way. And, uh, and, and on his travels around to start church after church, he comes to the city called Philippi. He falls in love with them. A bunch of them uh, come to know Jesus, and it erupts this church. And, and we said in week one, we said the right kind of love knows the right kind of passion. Because Paul is more than friends with the city of Philippi, but in the right type of a way. He has passion for them. And so what we challenged our people in week one was, you know what? What we have going on here at Wellspring is a good thing. We have a passion for our people and a passion for our community. And so in our passion, the right kind of love, the right kind of passion, we need to get out of here and start this other places as well. And so we launched a $90,000 endless growth campaign. And I'll give you an update at the end about how that's going. Then Jordan preached last week, and if you didn't watch it, oh, is it so timely. You better go back and tune in and watch that. He talked about Paul uh, being in prison. He gave that perspective of, of what Paul is, is experiencing in prison and how he was able to stay on mission. Jordan's big thought for that, that morning was, don't let the prison block your vision. Remember that? And then all of a sudden, coronavirus went wild. How many of us had a virus block our vision this past week? Jordan challenged us with this. Take the next step. Uh, take the next step in talking to someone about Jesus. As soon as we heard that, many of us thought of names. Many of us were, were man, this person needs to hear Jesus. I'm going to take this challenge. But then we went to the supermarket, and there was no toilet paper, and the challenge went out the window. Chaos. By the end of the week, we were like, you know what? My kids don't have school. Challenge out the window. Because all of a sudden, life hit the fan. And for many of us, we've forgotten that Jordan even preached last week, <laughs> let alone his challenge. So have we taken that next step? Does the course of this last week, when we said we're going to talk to people about Jesus Christ, it created this dilemma when, when culture hit, when a virus hit, when doctors are saying this. When I'm a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad or, or, or I'm, I'm a working mom, a working dad, or, or my kids are just simply chaotic, and now all of a sudden they're, they're out of school for at least two weeks, dilemmas, dilemmas, dilemmas. 
when I was uh, probably eighth grade or so, I, uh, I went to uh, St. Louis to visit uh, my Annie Bev and my Uncle Bill John. There's a big old story by we, he has two first names. Uh, but Uncle Bill John, and uh, we went to visit, and my mom, stay, uh, mom a hardworking mom, uh, to go on vacation. We, you guys have heard this story before. Uh, we, we used to uh, scrape uh, compact discs, or not compact, those floppy discs, uh, to earn some extra money. My mom budgeted everything out. We got free Greyhound tickets because Uncle Bill John worked for Greyhound. And uh, we go, we go uh, to St. Louis. We spend a few days out there. I think it was Thanksgiving, and there was this wicked snowstorm in St. Louis. And so uh, we got snowed in in St. Louis, and uh, my mom was like, I got to work. I got bills to pay. I, this, this was a whole lot of stress and anxiety, and we were trying to find ways to get back, uh, back to New Hampshire to, to, so my mom could start making some money again because she would be out of, out of work. And, and it got to the point where, where all of a sudden my mom was like, no. You know, if it's a few extra days, it's a few extra days. We're going to make this work. And some of the memories I have of those few extra days is playing Monopoly all throughout the day. Many, many games of Monopoly. Like, you know, any family, Monopoly ends with flipping a table. We flipped some tables playing Monopoly. Uncle Bill John was, uh, liked to play poker. And so as a middle schooler, I learned how to play poker from Uncle Bill John playing hours of poker that, that weekend. And my mom was telling me that because we talked to my mom yesterday. And, and she's like, you know what? I'll take your kids. The next two weeks are going to be very stressful for Ava and yourself. You have a lot going on as a pastor in a church. Uh, Ava is working. She can't just take work off willy-nilly. And, uh, and so, like, uh, you know what? I'll take your kids. We're like, Mom, you have, you, have, you have your own big project. You have your own things going on. Uh, my dad is a tennis coach, so he has a lot of free time on his hand right now. And, uh, but, but, so my dad can help out, and my, I can help out. And my mom was like, you know what? Remember when we were snowed in? You don't remember all the stress. As a kid, you just remember that it was a, a good time and you made memories out of it. Years now, from now, I want your kids to look back on coronavirus and think they went to grandma's house and had a blast of a time. So she went out to Best Buy and bought a, a, the new PlayStation and uh, spent way too much money. And they're going to have the time of their lives over the next week because my mom wanted to reprioritize to say this is the main thing. This is what is important. If we fail to see life as God sees life, we will fail to live well through the dilemmas of life. Is God looking down on our society right now and thinking dilemma? Is he thinking stress? Is he thinking, I'm confused how this is going to work out? Is, he, is the God who overcame death scared about a virus? No. And so here, we want to look at Paul. We're going to pick up with Paul. He has his own dilemma of sorts, and he has an element of perspective, which I think is so critical for us today. He says this as we continue on from where Jordan was preaching last week. He says, for to me, to live is Christ. That's his mission. That's his focus. Don't allow your prison to block your vision. Your vision, your mission is to live is Christ. And to die is gain. There indeed is the dilemma. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful label for me. So when we talk about ministry, look at how Paul describes ministry. Fruitful labor, working towards something. Yet, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary to remain here, to remain here on, on planet Earth means I can contribute to others, means I can serve others, means this is necessary for me to love other people. On whose account? On your account. I want to labor. I want to go through the hardships of life 
for the people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all, with you all, for your progress and the joy of the, in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause, ample cause, ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. He loved Jesus. That was his whole life. His whole life is wrapped up into Jesus. And so the thought of departing and being with Jesus is, is an awesome thing. He desires that. But he desires ministry. He desires people coming to know Jesus. It's about five years away where Paul will likely be beheaded, where, where jail time will lead to his death. That's, that's, off, uh, that's in the distance, but in the moment... Paul is contemplating, saying, I am in jail. I'm writing to the Philippians from jail, and death is a very real outcome. At any moment, they can come, take me, and I am, I am literally, every day, I am moments away from being beheaded. So what's the longing of my heart? Do I long for that to happen? Or do I long to be set free to, to labor and be amongst the people that I'm, I'm ministering to? It's like a sports fan that's waiting to land the free agent. For me, it's Tom Brady. What is, what's going to happen with Tom Brady? Do I long for him to stay with my team? Do I long with him to go, to go to another team? It's, it's if you're a Giants fan, if you're like, I long to have Tom. If you're like, you're long, like Tom Brady, it, it's that type of mentality where you have no control over the situation, but you're, you're talking with the guys at, at the bar or around the coffee shop. Hey, how do we want this to play out? Do we want him to stay or do we want him to go? It's that type of a conversation that Paul is having. He's not looking to take matters into his own hands. Right now, he's having a conversation with a, amongst himself if I had to pick if I could pick I don't know what I would pick because both outcomes are good and bad both outcomes like the pain of dying but I get to be in glory or the pain of staying me leaving these jail cells and going out into the real world if you will is not for me to go to my palace it's me to go and be beaten with sticks it's for me to go and be shipwrecked at sea it's for me to go and literally labor over a people I love if I leave this earth, there will be hundreds without a mentor, hundreds with a spiritual father that is God, a foundational apostle, dead. So this is a dilemma. What shall I choose? But in the moment as he's contemplating, whether it's from God through the Holy Spirit giving him this, this vision, however it happens, he knows in this moment as we read this text, he comes to the conclusion that this is going to play out with his release. And it ends up playing out that way. And it's a few years later that he is beheaded for his faith. We face dilemmas all the time that can be informed by the aspect of death. My wife today is uh, going to be going to a baby shower, then a bridal shower. We're in our 30s. We get invited to, to weddings. Well, I don't. Uh, Ava does because she's cooler than me. Uh, we get invited to all sorts of things, uh, baby showers, bridal showers, weddings, and, and the like, birthday parties, all sorts of things. And it's sometimes like, okay, we have kids in the counter. We're like, we can't even manage our own lives, let alone adding all of these extra parties, parties, parties. And like, I know, I'm a big old jerk. Like, oh, that's so stressful. And you're right. You should look at me and be like, if I'm literally talking about how stressful that is, I've lost perspective. Because I've also sat with a guy named Gordon McDonald, who's an older man in his 80s, who's been around the church, who's helped start churches, and, and has been like a foundational person in, in church life for the last, last handful of years. And he would sit back, and I was like, what's something that I need to know as I start a church? He said, you know what? Don't forget the older people in your congregation, because you really can't relate to them. 
Here, as, I, as, as an older person, he pulls out his phone and he says, these are emails I've gotten. These are, these are the messages I'm getting. On a daily basis, as an 80-year-old man, I'm hearing about so-and-so that just died. I'm hearing about this relative that just died. I'm hearing about this relative that's on their deathbed. I'm hearing about hostess. I'm hearing about this on a daily basis. And for me, I'm not planning out weddings. I'm not planning out bridal showers, baby showers. I'm planning out the next funeral that I have to go to. And I, and I was like, you're right. I can't empathize with that. I don't understand what it's like to walk a mile in your shoes. But when I hear that perspective, oh, man, I love the challenge of trying to figure out what weddings, birthday parties, uh, bridal showers, and things of that nature that I need to go to. Death has a way of bringing perspective. Dilemmas have a way of bringing perspective. This past week, everything going on that will go on has a way of informing us the dilemmas are an opportunity to reprioritize, reaffirm our priorities. Through dilemmas, we learn to trust. Through dilemmas, we learn to wrestle with God in prayer. And through dilemmas... What did we just sing? We will build, your throne will be built off of what? Our praise. So through a dilemma, when we say we're going to give God all glory, honor, and praise, that's exactly what we're doing. We're worshiping God Almighty. Through the dilemma, here's, if you're facing a dilemma right now, and if you're watching, I'm certain you're in the midst of a dilemma. Here's some questions you need to ask yourself. Is this really a dilemma? How might I need some perspective? Is this a matter of morality? Because if it's a matter of morality, should I sleep with her or should I not? likely isn't a, isn't a dilemma. If you strive after holiness, the answer is just simply no, no dilemma. <laughs> Which is the more Christ-like option? Which is the most Christ-like direction? Which will bring God the greatest glory? Which will advance the gospel? Which, which, will, which will bring mo more people into the kingdom of God as quickly as possible? If that is part of your dilemma, go that route. Bring more people into the kingdom of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to live, as Paul lived, with gospel resolve. Here's, here's the definition of, of resolve from Google. To settle or find a, a solution to a problem dispute. Decide firmly on a course of action. Firm determination to do something. I believe if we were to live with gospel resolve, all of these things should be a part of our lives. To be settled to find a solution. The solution of how will I reach more people for the gospel of Jesus Christ as quickly as possible. If God comes back tomorrow, do we give God our greatest effort to bring as many people into his kingdom as possible? To decide firmly right now our course of action. If you decided firmly last week, I'm going to share people with people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the, the coronavirus happened and you didn't do that. You then lacked resolve. resolve. It's a firm action. Firm determination to do something. We must live with gospel resolve. Paul does that. He lives that way. And that is why he can say this next portion of the verse. Here's, here's where he goes. He goes, only let your manner of life be worthy. Of the gospel of Christ. Because he's living that way. Because he lives with such resolve. Because he's so focused on mission. And because he's so focused on gospel. Now he tells the Philippians. Here's what I want you to do. Live as those. Live a life worthy of the gospel that I am looking to die for. That you will die for. That we are living for. Live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that is our big thought for this morning. For this online viewing party. Whatever you want to call it. The gospel demands resolve. If we are men and women of the gospel our lives better be marked by resolve our lives better be marked by determination our lives decisions are made for us when the gospel is our greatest priority yeah. and so Paul tells these people here's how we're going to apply this he tells them how they can live now a life worthy of the gospel here's, here's how he concludes this section living this out he says so 
that whether I come to see you or I, I am uh, absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened by anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them that their destruction, but of your salvation and, and that from God, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw that I had. Now, now hear that, you, that I still have. The way I've lived a life worthy of the gospel, go and do that thing. And whether I'm absent or present, you should live like that. This is like a dad or a mom that's going to be watching their kids uh, via ring for the next two weeks. <laughs> whether I'm physically present with you or not, here's how you should be living. If I'm not there, it doesn't mean you can go and, do, and hit your sister. Uh, if I'm not there, uh, you should still not hit your sister because that's just the right thing to do. It's, it's that type of thinking that Paul is bringing to play. Like whether I'm delayed in seeing you or not, here's the goal. Live a life worthy of the gospel. If the gospel is love, here's what we need to do. Live a life of love. If the gospel is about life, joy, it, like what Jordan said, if I have the fruit of the Spirit in me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, you can't take that away from me. So if the Spirit of God is in me, guess what? Coronavirus changes nothing. It gives us an opportunity to live as men and women of joy. You can't take the reality of my life, the vitality of my life away from me because Jesus Christ lives inside of me. The gospel is humility. And so we humbly serve others. We don't hoard things at the grocery store. We buy things to give away and show generosity because the opportunity is present for all of us. We stay together in one spirit and in one mind. We live in harmony with one another. We live on mission together. That is a life worthy. We work like athletes. We strive. We contend. We grind together, but with one goal, win. And what does winning look like for the church? His kingdom come. His kingdom grow. So we grow together and we strive together. This is the church that labors together on mission, working side by side. That's a life worthy of the gospel. It's blood, sweat, and tears type terminology that Paul is talking about, which means we are focused. We're fighting to the finish line. The Spirit of God empowers me, but the Spirit of God empowers us. If the Spirit of God lives in me and lives in you, don't we as an organization have an empowered organization at that moment? Yeah. And so we live together on mission. That's a life worthy of the gospel. Whether I come or not, the spirit of God still lives inside you, so go. We stand together without becoming alarmed. He makes, Paul makes very clear, opposition is coming. None of us should be, we might be surprised that it's the coronavirus, but we shouldn't be surprised that there is something going on in culture that has made us primed to share the gospel. Through opposition, we have an opportunity to declare a message. And so Paul makes clear, opposition will come, but guess what? Opposition won't win against a God who's already won it all. A God who's conquered death means that no virus can win because he's conquered it all we are not we don't live as hopeless people we don't live as a discouraged people we live knowing that we have the joy of the Lord that is a life worthy of the gospel so what if you're viewing online if you're here in this room what should we fear what should we mean? You and I as men and women, if we have the fear of the Lord, which means awe, reverence, respect before God, if we fear God in that way, what? 
on CNN or Fox News or on your, on your whatever, social media. What in the world should bring us fear? Nothing, nothing, nothing when we have the fear of the Lord up inside of us. And so we can handle the storms of life with calm. We can embrace truth and live a life worthy. Because we stay together, we strive together, and we stand together united on the mission of Jesus Christ. I recently had an opportunity to pray with a man that screams mission to me. He sent me an email. I had, we had been talking for the last. He gave me permission to share his story. A few oh, about, I, mean, I guess it was last summer. Wheels, Laura, and I. Maybe there might. I think Wheels, Laura, and I. Uh, he was newly married. Married for a few months. He's an older man. I think maybe in his 60s, 70s, and he newly married just a few months. And his wife got stage four uh, brain cancer. So we went to her, her, her hospital and we, and we prayed over her. And he's just, he's devastated. He's, 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 he's working, like he's, he's kind of sorting through all this. We prayed and she's, she is doing better, but it, it is a, it's a rocky road. We don't know if she's out of it or not. But, but, but then, but then she, he emails me uh, two weeks ago and he says, I just got diagnosed with uh, stage four, I think it was pancreatic cancer. And so I was like, dude, can you, can you, if you can make it to church, can we pray over you? And so me, Laura, and Graham uh, took him aside on, on a Sunday after church, and we just simply prayed with him. We asked him about the situation, and here's what gripped me. Here's, here's gospel focus, gospel resolve. His wife is, a, is new to the faith. He, he, he's grown up in the church. He's, he's, been, uh, he's been on like, uh, church leadership teams in the past. And so his, his faith looks a little bit different than her faith. She has faith, but his faith is a little bit stronger. And here's what he said. Here's what's gospel. When I asked him, what, how can I specifically pray for you? I know the obvious, but how can I pray for you? He looked at me and he said, I'm asking that you would pray that I simply live longer than my, my wife. She needs me around because I need to be the strong one for her. And that... Like, how do you pray that without crying? <laughs> like, how do you pray that without choking up? You don't. <laughs> and so you just embrace that. And so I prayed. I was like, God, like, allow Lenny, Lenny to live longer than Shirley. Simply so Lenny can be a, a source, a beacon of hope and faith. So that Lenny can, can, can display to Shirley how to live as one with hope and joy in the spirit of the Lord living up inside him. So he can display that to her and she can learn from, from his example how to live through hard times and give God all glory, praise, and honor. That's a man with gospel resolve. See, we value simplicity. Simplicity is, is very hard. To live with simplicity is hard. If it's simple, hey, you know what? God be, let God be the focus in, in all things going on. Well, then, when, when it's time to have this happen, when coronavirus hits, what is simple? Hey, bring the gospel message of Jesus Christ to everybody. Well, coronavirus doesn't change that. It gives us an opportunity. So simplicity is hard when it comes time for action. Lenny knew the simplicity of, I want to live so my, so my wife can see this. It's, it's a, it's, there's a hardness to there when it comes time to act. You and I, we live in very, very difficult times, but simplicity will bring us profound perspective. It's like the kid that is annoyed that mom or dad is standing next to them. The kid that is annoyed that mom or dad would give them a kiss before they go on to the bus. And they find themselves on a seat next to a kid that would kill for just one last hug from mom or dad. It's the power of perspective. So what's your perspective in the times like this? Paul's perspective is, you know what? If they kill me, I'm with Christ. 
If they let me live, I live for Christ. If they make me suffer, I'll experience the joy of the Lord because he suffered and he did it with joy set before him. He went to the cross. Perspective is powerful. Perspective guides us to worthy living. And so again, I, I want us to live with gospel resolve. The gospel demands that we live with resolve. And so a life worthy of a gospel is the one of, of, of resolve, to live fearlessly against opposition. My challenge for you and I, we are on the front lines of a medical emergency. Guess what? Throughout the ages, the church has always been on the front lines. The, God, the church has always been the ones willing to risk their own health to bring hope to others. And so my challenge today, and over the course of this whole coronavirus outbreak, is to cultivate care over fear. You can get on your social media and help create this culture of fear. Or you can go to the grocery store and buy hundreds of packets of toilet paper like everybody else. But what's going to make you different? You're going to give every ounce of it away. Why? Because the gospel informs me that I am not a person to hoard. I am a person to give away and to be generous. And so I am challenging you this week not to give in to fear, but to cultivate care over fear. Here's how I saw this play out in the antithesis of this week at the gym. I like going to the gym, and there's a guy there that makes me mad every time I'm at the gym. Because here's the standard. When you go to the gym, you wipe off the machine before and after because you're getting all sorts of sweaty and disgusting, and you don't leave that sweaty, disgusting mess for other people. But this one dude, every single time, comes in, gets on his machine, does the elliptical or whatever he's doing. He sweats all over the thing. And he's never once cleaned it up. Monday morning, I'm there on the elliptical, and I see him walk in, and instantly I start working out harder because I'm enraged just seeing his face. But then he grabbed a hand wipe. I was like, coronavirus has changed him. And he wiped off his machine. He then proceeded to sweat all over it. And you know what he did at the end of his workout? He walked away. He left his sweaty mess for the next guy. He only cared about himself as a church with the Spirit of God living inside of us. Here is an opportunity. We face a dilemma, but our dilemma is how much love can we show our hurting community right now? That's our dilemma. Embrace that community and do whatever brings the gospel of Jesus Christ to our hurting people. We value endless growth. God has provided us an opportunity to grow as men and women. We don't grow when the waters are smooth. We grow through the hurricanes of life. That's when you learn to sail. You sail now. You grow as, as men and women of Jesus Christ right now. This is an opportunity to grow. This is an opportunity to show love. This is an opportunity to show the generosity of our Lord. This is the moment for the church, a moment that I've never experienced as a pastor. But will we embrace it and live with gospel Resolve. In 1 John 4.18, it says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not, perfected, has not been perfected in love. Here's what I know. That I used to fear God in all the wrong ways. I used to fear punishment. I used to fear that, that my life was lived in such a way that would bring the condemnation of God. That would bring that, that I am not holy and so God, God will punish anything not holy. But then I said yes to relationship with Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ died for me. That Jesus Christ died in my place, took the punishment of God on, on my behalf and then gave me his Holy Spirit. And so what this verse talks about is 
Where I once lived in fear of God, I no longer live in fear. Why? Because perfect love casts out fear. Guess what? As a Christian, that stays with us. As a Christian, uh, 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. John will, uh, Jesus will say, uh, uh, Fear not. I have what? Overcome the world. Fear not, I have overcome the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the word world. So if fear, if, if, if casting out fear is at the conception of the gospel, at the conception of our lives in Christ Jesus, if, if, fear, if fear not is through all of us as we live our life for Jesus because the spirit of God lives inside, guess what? When we leave this church, when you click offline, guess what? You move forward, not living in fear, but in gospel resolve. When Paul prayed this prayer that should I leave or should I go, guess what? When he determined in his spirit, these walls are going to let me out one day. I will walk out these doors a free man. His resolve was such to continue to live with boldness, not ease. So our gospel resolve in this moment is not to live with fear, but to move forward in the power of the gospel. And so I want to pray right now for the people in the room, but really more important for the people that are watching. You're watching because I know many of you have even reached out to us. You, you've, you, you've been tagged. You've been shared with. You're watching this because you haven't watched anything like this for perhaps years. If not, this might be the first time ever because fear has gripped this nation. And I'm looking at you in my own way through technology saying you don't have to be controlled by fear. In the quietness of your room, your car, the coffee shop, whatever it is, your headphones, fear no longer has to grip you. I believe in a God that died for you, sent his son to die for you, so that we can live a life of joy, peace, patience, kindness. That we can live this way and nothing that the world brings me has to control me. Because I've given it all to Jesus. And so I want to invite you right now to pray. A prayer like this. A Roman says, if you call out on the Lord and you believe that he died and rose again, that you will be saved, I'm asking you to pray right now in the quietness of your, wherever you're at. Pray something like this. God, I'm sorry. Why I got tagged on this video, I don't know, but you, you orchestrated it, and here we are. Father, I didn't expect to watch a message like this. I didn't expect to watch worship like this, but here I am. Father, I am sorry. I, I, I am. I'm looking at my life. I'm looking at how I've even handled this whole coronavirus thing, and it's obvious. I am not perfect. <laughs> I live controlled by something I should not be controlled by. Today, I'm laying it down. Today, I'm saying I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for being controlled by anything but you, God Almighty. Today I'm recognizing that Jesus Christ died for me. Today I'm giving my life to him. And Jesus, I'm inviting your Holy Spirit to live inside of me. I don't want to be controlled by fear. I want to be controlled by strength and courage that can only come from Jesus Christ Almighty through this times. And so I will move forward now. As a child of God, I give you everything. Take control of my life. Take control of the situation. And I will live for you. In your powerful name, Jesus, amen. We're going to close with a song that we planned on singing months ago on this specific Sunday. It's a song that says, I will give thanks. There's a line that says, God's not worried, so why do I worry? How timely is this song? 
So as you sing this in your car, as you sing this, uh, you know, maybe in your room, wherever you're at, I want you to envision that you're singing next to it, next to Lenny. That Lenny is sitting right next to you, wondering about his own stage four cancer, wondering about his wife's stage four cancer, and he's belting out, God's not worried, so why do I worry? I'm asking that as we sing this last song, that you will allow this song to bring perspective to your life, and that after this, you will move forward with gospel resolve. God's not worried, so why do I worry? Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.